Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show, we are going to be previewing the big matchup, Kentucky versus Tennessee. This edition of the show is brought to you by The Financialist and Frontgate Land Management. We'll tell you more about them in a bit. Uh, Kyle, I'll just kind of let you have the floor. I mean, obviously, this is a monster game. Kentucky in Knoxville. What are you kind of excited to see? Well, I mean, it's going to be very a very different game uh, for obvious reasons. The venue change, that's been a tough place for Kentucky to play many years through many eras. Joby Hall could never win in Knoxville. Cal's had a hard time even with good teams winning in Knoxville and has had had some nightmare games down there. Um, so it's a tough place to play. Uh, this is obviously a very good Tennessee team. They stole one, as we mentioned the other day, uh, at Ole Miss the other night to stay tied for first place with Kentucky and LSU. Um, but, I mean, the biggest, the biggest change is going to be no Reed Travis. I would guess almost certainly no Reed Travis. Uh, maybe if this was a season-ending game, everything on the line, you play him. Um, I don't think he's terribly far off, but I think you let him rest as much as you can until the postseason. And um, so I think they'll be without uh, Reed Travis. And he was the guy who kind of bully-balled Grant Williams and company in the paint and, and limited them, uh, at least contained them a little bit uh, or contained Grant Williams a little bit on the defensive end and also freed up P.J. Washington to have all the energy he needed to attack Tennessee on the offensive end. Um, and so you don't have that now probably in this game. Um, how does that change how Tennessee attacks Kentucky, how they defend Kentucky? Uh, how P.J. Washington has to play um, in that game. Does he have to get uh, his hands dirty a little more? He ended up, you know, Cal said he was going to have to, uh, you know, uh, what did he say, play muscle ball or whatever, used his muscles more when Reed went out, but he hasn't really had to do that yet. Um, I think he's going to have to do that in this game. And, you know, the the, the fun little subplot here um, is the, ta- the sort of the not trash talk, but the talking element. After the game in Lexington a couple weeks ago where P.J. Washington really dominated, Tyler Hero said, I think they're scared of him. I think everybody is. And so after the game at Ole Miss, apparently, according to 247 Sports that was there, uh, Grant Williams was being interviewed about the rematch, and and Admiral Schofield walked by and said, hopefully we aren't scared of P.J. in the rematch. And uh, so that's interesting. Uh, then P- then Grant Williams said, according to Admiral, we are not scared of PJ. The rest of the SEC is, you know, and, th- and it wasn't like real nasty trash talk. I mean, Grant Williams goes on to say that uh, it made me laugh. Tyler said it after the game and I just laughed. I have a lot of respect for PJ. I respect the world out of him. He's talented, but not scared. And he said, no, not scared. So, you know, there was it. Was it smart for Tyler Hero to say that with another game on the road against Tennessee coming up? Probably not, but, um, you know, words aren't going to win the game. But I think certainly uh, what P.J. Washington did and what Tyler Hero said and how bad they were embarrassed. I mean, those Tennessee guys talked about it after the game, right after the game, how embarrassed they were and how, you know, what Grant Williams, was it Grant, I think, that said, like, prove we were phonies? Um, You you know, they were embarrassed. 
Yeah. I mean, well, and the thing is, this whole storyline kind of started with them last season in Knoxville. So, I mean, and the, the fact that he, he admitted that P.J. Washington was in their head and then he got cramps, Washington that is, is where this storyline kind of originated. And, I mean, you know, players use kind of motivation and pump each other up however they can, but it is kind of funny that, like, I feel like Tyler Hero, and I wasn't over there when I think he said it to you, that it was kind of a throwaway line because it wasn't directed specifically, if I'm remembering right, it wasn't specifically at Tennessee. It was basically the entire SEC said everybody well, was. no. No, because I asked him, I said, um, you know, Grant Williams admitted a, an unusual thing last year and said PJ was in my head. And, you know, PJ said, like, because that night PJ said, when I knew he said that, I thought, I'm going to keep going at him. I'm just going to go right at him. Um, and so I asked Tyler about that. Like, when somebody admits that, do you think, like, <laughs> that's an advantage? When the other guy admits you, you had him shook? And, you know, Tyler said, I think they're scared of him. And then he said, I think everybody is the way he's playing now. But, um, but yes, as to your point, like Grant Williams is the guy who said, essentially scared of him. Not scared, but I mean, I've, again, when does anybody ever admit, especially a high-level player? Grant Williams was the SEC Player of the Year last year, and he said PJ Washington was in his head. So you just don't hear that very often. Uh, and then you know, when the follow-up to that is PJ dominating him and dominating Tennessee there in in Lexington a couple weeks ago, and he did it with one move. Yeah, that, you know that'll be interesting too to see. Like, do they have a counter for that? Do they maybe want to double him this time? And if they double him, does PJ? You know, he's a great passer. Does he pass it out? And does do do if he does, do the Kentucky shooters make those open shots? Because I'm guessing this time around they will throw multiple bodies at PJ Washington, especially with no Reed Travis. And when they do, can PJ make the right pass? Can the shooters make open shots on the road in a hostile environment? Now. If the shooter is Tyler Hero, I like their chances because he's shooting a better percentage and scoring more on the road this season. The, the other night was by far his best game he's ever had at home, um, but he's coming off that game where he hit nine of ten shots and five of six from three. He's playing with a lot of confidence, and I'm guessing going to have a lot of opportunities if they double P.J. Washington. But, you know, rewinding to that game in Knoxville last year, and we mentioned it going into the first meeting, before he cramped up in 23 minutes, P.J. Washington had 13 points, six rebounds, three steals, two blocks. I mean, he dominated. Grant Williams had six points and four rebounds in those 23 minutes that P.J. was on the floor. Uh, and then when P.J. cramped up and missed like the last nine and a half minutes of the game, it was over. Tennessee took full advantage. So, you know, P.J.'s got to play well. P.J. also very, very important here, has to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah. And if I'm them, I'm doing everything I can to get P.J. Washington in foul trouble. If P.J.'s in early foul trouble and they don't play Reed Travis, Tennessee's going to win that game handily. Yeah, and at this very moment, we do not have any <laughs> updates on Reed Travis. Uh, we're recording right now on Thursday afternoon. We'll talk to John Calipari. Actually, I think it was John Calipari. There is a, <laughs> a press conference scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, so we'll talk to pl- a couple players and, and a coach. Probably won't get any major update. I would venture to guess that he'll still be out for this game, um, but we'll keep you updated on that. Just stay tuned to our timelines. I guess the one positive from the Arkansas game, Kyle, is the fact that that's kind of what Arkansas did. They did. I mean, Mike Anderson made it clear our goal was to not let P.J. Washington beat us, and he didn't beat him. Tyler Hero did, and maybe having that under their belt is a positive because now if Tennessee goes that route, they'll be a little bit more prepared albeit Tennessee is a much better team than Arkansas, but at least they have that experience now because they're doing everything's kind of a little bit newer now since they're with Reed Travis for this stretch. 
Yeah, I think I think Kentucky can survive Tennessee deciding to make the other guys beat them and take PJ out of it. They can survive that. They can't survive PJ not being on the floor because mm-hmm. then you don't draw that extra attention. I mean, you know, if he's out there and they're solely focused on him, again, that speaks a little bit to in their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're totally obsessed with shutting down PJ Washington, yeah, K- Kentucky can still win if even if they're successful because that allows other guys to be open to, to make other plays. But if you, but if the reason PJ is neutralized is because he's stuck on the bench in foul trouble, uh, I would say again, I think Tennessee will roll them in Knoxville if you see PJ Washington sit long stretches of either half. Yeah, and the one thing that, that I'll kind of point out too that in the second half of that Arkansas game, and we'll see if it continues going forward. But Keldon Johnson finally got back to a spot where he was comfortable making shots, which was those little inside the lane situations. I mean, he was trying. He tried at multiple levels. He tried at the rim, got blocked by Gaffrey, tried from behind the three-point line, and still has kind of been on a little bit of a slump lately. Uh, but he really started picking up his scoring in the second half when he was getting to the middle and making the little runner-type things, the little jumpers uh, that he's been shown that he's pretty good at this season. So coming up next, I'm going to talk about a matchup that I'm super excited to see. And, uh, you know, it, there's going to be a lot of emotion in this game. I think these are going to be two guys that are probably going to be the most emotional but before that, I do want to tell you guys about Frontgate Land. If you are in the market to buy or sell land, lease to a reliable tenant, or uncover a possible revenue stream on your property, let Frontgate Land Management help. Owner Josh Tungate is a licensed realtor with Berkshire Hathaway Home Service Professional Realty and a UK alum. And I've known him for a while. He is a monster Kentucky fan. Give him a call at 859-962-9955 or visit FrontGateLand.com. They have the contacts to help connect the dots in agriculture. FrontGateLand.com. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I really want to see Admiral Schofield versus Keldon Johnson for extended minutes. And Kyle, we talked about this for a while, but the the, the kind of messing with the small lineup that Kentucky sometimes goes with since Reed Travis is out in Tennessee, you know, if, if they want to roll with Schofield at the four, I think Kentucky would probably be willing to counter with Keldon Johnson at the four and the emotion of those two players. I want to see that for as much of the game as possible because Keldon Johnson took his energy level to another level against Arkansas. Schofield one is, is one of the most animated and energetic players in the conference. I really just want to see that matchup uh, for a long stretch in the game on Saturday. Yeah, and those guys both played well in the first the first matchup. You know, Kelvin Johnson certainly played better. He had 19 points on uh, 14 shots, hit three threes. Um, Schofield had 17 points, but it took him 18 shots, and he was one for six from three. I guess it, I shouldn't say they both played well. Schofield was not a great day despite the fact that he scored 17, but he had 17 and six in that game and fouled out. He and Alexander both fouled out. I mean, that's the thing. We talk about foul trouble. Kentucky successfully – fouled out or nearly fouled out the whole starting five. Four of the five starters had four or five fouls uh, for Tennessee. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting if if Reed doesn't play and they find themselves sort of struggling to um, account for that. To me, I, I like Keldon at the four and being the straight-up matchup on Admiral Schofield. 
because what he would give up in muscle, he, he's got on height and length. Like he's he's taller and longer than Schofield, and I think could really bother him. Um, and if he plays, as you mentioned, if he plays the with the sort of hair on fire mentality that he did down the stretch in the Arkansas game, and was a big part of that comeback. Um, you know, you know, you already know you got a guy that can rattle Grant Williams and PJ Washington. If if Keldon Wild Eyed Keldon Johnson can kind of bother and pester um, Schofield, I, I love Kentucky's chances. And you know, and and we should also point out when we talk about matchups, Ashton Hagens, who's been kind of hot and cold lately, played his best game of of the recent games. He played his best game uh, against Tennessee. Really played great defense. Um, was under control, really running things offensively. And so he against him against uh, Jordan Bone is going to be, once again, a, a critical, critical matchup. Yeah, Bone was a monster part of the Tennessee offense. I mean, that's all relative considering Tennessee only scored 69 points to Kentucky's 86 in the most recent matchup. But, I mean, he had 19 on 8 of 13 shooting. Uh, Lamont Turner is also obviously important in the, in the backcourt for them. He was bad. In Lexington, two for eleven, only scoring four points in Tennessee's most recent game. He was actually a key component. He was eight of twelve from the floor and had seventeen total points. So, um, do you kind of think that Tyler Hero is going to continue on in the hot shooting streak and continue him being a, a kind of a road warrior when he gets down in Knoxville and having another big offensive game? I mean, he's played well in almost every one of those games. Played. Great at Auburn, played great at Louisville. We hit a huge couple huge shots at Mississippi State. Um, you know, yeah, I, I do. I do think he'll play well. I mean, whatever it is, he's been just very, very comfortable, more comfortable on the road until until the other night. Like, until the other night, it was, I think, dramatically different. Um, it was nice for him to finally give the home crowd a, a taste of what uh, – <laughs> what all these visiting venues get to see. And that was his best game. I mean, you, you can't do much better than nine of 10 and scoring 29 points on nine attempts. But um, given the way he's played on the road overall, I mean, almost, almost totally consistently and the, and the game he's coming off of. Yeah. I, I, I expect him to play well down there. And again, I think he could be, he and Keldon probably both could be the huge beneficiaries of, unless they're playing the small ball lineup and Kelvin's buried in the paint, but it could be the huge beneficiaries of PJ getting all this extra attention. And I, I definitely think uh, uh, Tyler will be up to it. Um, and I'll be curious to see, will Kelvin Johnson make those open shots? Cause you know, he, he can be a, a dead eye threat from deep, but he's also had some, a couple different cold spells this season. Yeah, I was looking up season stats uh, the other day, and you know, Keldon still leads Hero in percentage. I mean, I think he's a full percentage point ahead of him in three point shooting, which is kind of crazy to think about when you take into account what they came in perception wise as shooters. And it's it, also crazy that that PJ Washington is second in the SEC in three point percentage. Yes, that is a very wild stat. <laughs> I've got. So uh, yeah, I, do you I need to do, uh, do, you, do you need to take your uh, since you tweeted it out? I'm gonna since you're talking about three point percentage, real quick. Speak your Isaiah Joe piece of the Arkansas. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, I just I, you know you, you saw all these people tweeting uh, and, and commenting, and you know another random guy goes off in Rupp Arena. He's not a random dude. If you just haven't been paying attention to SEC basketball, uh, if you didn't know, 
Um, but but I was looking up some other stats today and in the league, and he leads the league in made threes. He's almost at 100 now. I think he's got 98, which I think he's maybe chasing, was it Jamal Murray's uh, single season three mark, made three-point mark. Um, Could be. I, and um, I think he's third in percentage behind P.J. Washington. So, I mean, he's a guy who uh, has been very good for Arkansas. So no, he's not just, he wasn't a random dude who was hitting shots because it was Kentucky. He's a dude who's been hitting shots all year, but I want to do a whole episode on this probably Monday. If it's okay with you, I guess it depends on what happens at the Tennessee game, but uh, I'm working on a piece that'll probably publish Friday. Uh, and then this will probably publish it today on Thursday at some point. So I don't give too much away yet, but I'm working on a piece about PJ Washington and, and about the bigger picture of what is what is happening for PJ Washington as it relates to how it could help Kentucky for a long time. Uh, the effect, the PJ Washington effect, I guess you could say, you know, and I, there's a bunch of like crazy numbers in there, but one of them, you know, is just like take, taking a look at Cal has not really had that many guys like PJ Washington, not, not just the, the guy who came back and helped his career his you know, NBA stock that way, he hasn't had a lot of big guys that he let play the way he's letting PJ Washington play. True power forwards that he also let shoot, you know, a hundred threes in a season, which PJ might do, um, and and make them. And that too could be, you know, that that could change how they recruit and and who they're able to attract. Yeah. Uh, but when you just look at some of the numbers, like you go through the Calipari era, big guys, and like, I mean, all these guys that are are three point shooters in the NBA that had very few attempts uh, while at Kentucky. And the other thing I found today that I will share is there's only two power conference forwards or non-guards uh, in America who are averaging at least 15.6 rebounds and shooting 44% from three with at least 30 made threes. And that's P.J. Washington and uh, a dude whose name I totally just blanked on uh, okay. from, Southern, from Southern Cal. But there's two. Two non-guards in all of college basketball in power conference, uh, or on power conference rosters, big men who are, you know, legitimate big men, not just a tall guard, essentially. You see yeah. some of those. Big men who are getting down there in the paint and rebounding, but also stepping out and shooting threes at the clip that P.J. Washington is. I mean, he's he, to me, is one of the best inside-out players, if not the best. I would say probably the best inside-out player in college basketball. Yeah, and I mean, hearkening back, it's there was there was so many just fools out there shouting into the wilderness at the beginning of this season how John Calipari won't embrace the small ball and won't let his bigs <laughs> take shots and how that's going to cost him in recruiting. And all of a Probably sudden... some idiot podcaster. <laughs> and some writer for The Athletic named Kyle Tucker. Yeah, but that seems to have changed. So, yeah, we'll definitely get to dive into that next week more uh, when the piece comes out and look at the ramifications going forward. Coming up next, we're going to talk about what we expect in the environment in Knoxville and uh, get your guys' reaction to our last segment on the last edition of this podcast. But before that, I do want to tell you guys about The Financialist. The Financialist LLC is a locally owned provider of CFO caliber services to small business in central Kentucky. Owner Rick Parsons has 25 years of experience helping business owners establish a solid accounting system and will work with you to help maximize your profit potential. It's really tough uh, when you're trying to build a business to set up all the accounting systems. Rick is a great resource for people to help with that. 
he, he, it's all about, you know, when you have new employees, how do you integrate in them into your bookkeeping, day-to-day accounting, so many different things you probably don't even think about when you're trying to start a business. You can give him a call, 859-296-9814. Rick is an accounting professional and thinks like an entrepreneur, and he wants to help your business grow and thrive. Call the financialist and set up a complimentary meeting at 859-296-9814. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. So Kyle, the I've I've talked to my to people I know in Tennessee and they are expecting this and this is I'm I, this is what I was told the biggest game in like 50 years of Tennessee basketball. They're expecting this atmosphere to be the best one that Tennessee basketball maybe has ever had. I mean, there are high expectations for this crowd down there. Yeah, I think there should be. I mean, you know, when is Kentucky, when have Kentucky and Tennessee both been this good and, and Tennessee and, and Kentucky coming to town um, with, you know, this deep into the season, by the way, would be two, you know, the third to last game of the regular season with the uh, conference championship on the line. Uh, you know, I would imagine the folks at Tennessee feel a lot the way, like the way you and I do, that it just feels to me like LSU is going to lose a game at some point. Yeah. Um, I saw the, uh, the ESPN, I don't know what it was, the basketball predictor index or whatever that is. And I don't exactly know how those come up with the number, but I saw that according to them, Kentucky has the highest percentage uh, to win the conference. So that they also think that LSU is going to drop a game. To me, th- like this feels like it's the conference championship game, mm-hmm. um, and we might be wrong. I mean, it, it, it don't need to be unfairly, you know, discounting LSU, um, but I, I mean, at the very least, it keeps you in the picture to hang a banner. I mean, if you're, and that doesn't matter much to Kentucky, and maybe it shouldn't matter much to Tennessee because they have bigger fish to fry. But it, I mean, I think to Tennessee it matters. Um, you know, I think. I think beating Kentucky matters to everybody in the league. It it matters even more if you're one of those other teams trying to rise up and say, hey, we're as good as you. And so if you can do that at home and get revenge for what was an embarrassing – I mean, you know, prior to that Kentucky game, nobody had done that to Tennessee. You know, nobody would embarrassed Tennessee. Um, they'd been on quite a roll. And so, you know, there's a chance there's the revenge factor. There's the conference championship factor. There's the fact that Kentucky and Tennessee just hate each other anyway. Their fans do, you know, now there's this little bubbling sort of mostly friendly feud with the Kentucky and the Tennessee players. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's great. It's everything you want a late season conference game on the road to be. I, I would expect. Yeah. It's, it'll, you will not be able to get a ticket. <laughs> This every seat will be full. It'll be very loud in there, um, and it's going to be really. A, a, it would have been a hard game for Kentucky to win with Reed Travis, even even after seeing what what I saw in Lexington, which sort of made me like waver on my long standing prediction that the two home home teams would win and split in this series. It was still going to be a hard game without Reed Travis. It, I just it it is a massive massive challenge, and so I would be stunned if this game. Um, isn't competitive all the way to the end. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm I'm really excited. Kyle and I will both be there. You can follow along with our coverage on our social medias, and then we'll post the stuff that we always post after the game as well. Um, all right, let's clean up the last the last segment of the last episode because Kyle, I'm sure you saw it as well. We were absolutely crushed 
on social media for not knowing who Philip Banks was. Let's see, Free Nardo. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, you wow, you don't pay attention. For a guy is on Twitter so much, how do you miss all these mentions? Because there were like well, multiple. See, the, I don't. Maybe it's just mine, but like I, I am, see almost none of my uh, mentions. That's because you like, get so I'll, many I, likes, right? No, no, no. I mean, no. I like I'll <laughs> click on a tweet and it won't unless I like, like, like they don't. Sh- it doesn't show me all of them. Hmm. Uh, it's been a recent thing. Like it doesn't show me. Um, if I click the little at thing that shows you all your mentions, it doesn't show me them. But if I click on the actual tweet and then go scroll through what's under it, I can see them. But hmm. I mean, I, who's got time to do that? Maybe that's your, maybe Twitter is protecting you from yourself because, or maybe I did, maybe I changed something on the settings which, for my own sanity, which is fine. That's probably true as well, but I will read them. Uh, free Nardo said, y'all don't know who Philip Banks is. Josh Combs just tweeted us a gif of Philip Banks reading a book and then taking a bite of pizza and Dan Wright said how do you all not know Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and, oh, and that that was our excuse that's what I said on social media one I don't think of him I mean obviously he is a father but he's Uncle Phil and two yeah. um, the majority of that list was bad dads and so I was like in my mind I was thinking oh bad dads who's a bad dad Philip Banks was a good dad I mean he was a great yeah. prominent Bel-Air lawyer I hope Will Smith from the projects of Philadelphia turn his life around, and now he's a movie star. I mean, that's a positive yeah. role model. And it was Will Smith, not Will Banks. I mean, but this has been a bad week for our street cred because we didn't know, or I didn't know, I'm a bucket, and uh, then failed on a Fresh Prince of Bel Air reference, which I know I watched every episode of that show. Yeah, I, I watched every word to the song. I mean, I could sing the song right now. I'm not going to. Oh, that's a shame. We also lost. Quade Green, so he can't say from West Philadelphia, born and raised, and then he can come into the game. Positive note from Matthew Hayes on our, our last segment. He said, the the final segment, and especially the discussion about Deron Lamb's social media habits, was fantastic. I'm glad he enjoyed that. If you missed the last edition of this show, go back and listen, because we got a little bit off the rails in the last segment. Um, all right, we'll wrap Kyle with a review on iTunes, and we all appreciate all the reviews from DJ... Five nine Big Blue. He said, Kyle and Curtis are great, both great in this podcast. I was a regular listener to the podcast they were on before. If you like me, if you're like me and love Kentucky sports, give this podcast a listen. Also, I love comedy and extra drops that are at the end of the podcast. I would also like if Kyle did more impressions of Cal and Sling Blade. Proceed, Kyle. Mm, reckon you got any more of them uh, impressions in there? Mm. <laughs> Well, not well, not debut. I'll let you work on this. But sometimes next week, I want you to do an impression of John Calipari doing an impression of Sling Blade. That would take this thing to the next level. Mm, I like my team. I just put some ice cream. <laughs> That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Kentucky. Thanks to the Financialist and Front Gate Land for sponsoring this edition of the show. Be sure to be following along, as I said, with Kyle and myself. I'm on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. You can follow along with the show at Locked On UK. Find us on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. If you could leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. And if you want to suggest any more impressions for Kyle, a review is a great place to put it, and we'll read it on air. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will talk to you soon. You 
are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Let's do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, stole one at Ole Miss um, the other night to stay tied for first place with Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, with Tennessee. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Positive note from Matthew Higgs. H- uh, 